0: Hey, Whipsters, this is the Women in Pants podcast, helping you overcome your work history gaps. I'm your host, Shana Brager. This episode is an interview with Lisa, who is a mental health professional. We talk about lots of different mental health blocks that may come up when you're trying to go back to work. Lisa was also kind enough to make a guide for us for imposter syndrome, and you can sign up for that guide over at womeninpants.com. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you can get updates when a new episode airs. Now for the show. Lisa, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Hi. It's good to be here. I'm happy that you're here. And maybe you won't be so happy once I tell you the explanation of why. Because (laughs) no, don't be too. (laughs) I feel like I'm going to get a free hour of therapy. And I'm pretty happy about that.
1: <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm I'm good with that.
0: <laughs> we're just gonna talk about all the mental health, not mental health, mental blocks with with going back to work or even just starting to going to work older in life. As I I, I kind of consider myself middle-aged. Do you think we're middle-aged, Sarah? No. <laughs> what? Really? <laughs> We're not middle-aged yet. Don't say that. (laughs) Maybe I just have like an old soul or something because I think I was middle-aged like five years ago. (laughs) I'm like on the downhill now. Why don't you tell us what your um, degree is in and like what your titles are?
1: Sure. So I, well, way back, I went to school for my bachelor's in anthropology. Didn't so much use that. So now I have a master's in marriage and family therapy, and my credentials are just an LPC, which is Licensed Professional Counselor.
0: Very cool. I had a roommate in college who was an anthropology major, and yeah. it was fascinating.
1: Absolutely. It was, it was a really interesting four years. It's just a matter of getting a job with it. Is a little hard.
2: Oh, I am. Did you go in thinking you would be like Indiana Jones? Because I took a class in history high- <laughs> in college <laughs> for that very reason.
1: <laughs> I was just always really fascinated with people, people's stories, different cultures, different ways of doing life, and that's kind of my rationale for for doing that whole track. But I kind of see therapy as similar. I mean, I'm always hearing people's stories every day, learning different ways of how they make things work. And I think that's really cool because there's lots of different ways to do life.
0: And I imagine that that background in anthropology actually helps you because people's culture totally affects their like thought process and how they view just mental health in general.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, in anthropology, you kind of learn that, like I said, there's lots of different ways that people have found to make things work for them. And so using that in therapy, it's kind of freeing for some people to think, you know, you know, here I am in America trying to figure out how to get the rat race, you know, the white picket fence, you know, 2.5 kids and the dream corporate job halfway around the world, the rat race looks really different and
0: it's kind of all relative. And it's relative to your stage of life as well. Like I feel like my rat race at 20 was so different than my rat race right now. Totally. I don't, I can't say that one was better. They're just different. Yes. Which is like the perfect segue into this podcast because (laughs) a lot of our women are undergoing transitions, um, trying to get over their work history gaps. It started because Sarah and I are the women in this boat, right? We were stay-at-home moms for a long time, have big work history gaps. Don't really have, like, we weren't like lawyers and trying to go back to be lawyers kind of thing. Like, we're really trying to start a career from a bunch of random jobs that we did in the past kind of thing. And so there's a lot of um, mental blocks. I don't want to say like mental health issues because I don't know, maybe there's just a lot of stigma around that, but there's a lot of mental blocks to making those transitions. Do you see this in your practice?
1: Absolutely. I think that, and there's lots of different mental blocks that you could say that um, women come upon when they're trying to transition back into the workforce it's It's not just one problem and it's not really one size fits all it's lots of different things. It could be guilt about um not wanting to work it could be guilt about wanting to work like it could be a
0: whole gamut
1: of the spectrum
0: okay, so if I have both of those guilts simultaneously <laughs> what 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 do you what do you diagnose me on <laughs> Um, a normal human. <laughs> That's what I thought. Take it, everybody who thinks I'm weird. I'm normal. No, but seriously, like, let's talk about that for a second. Major guilt thinking about having my kids have to get used to a new routine, right? Huge, huge major guilt with that. And then major guilt um, on the flip side of, of wanting to be an equal financial um, partner in my marriage. And so how, how, how do we get over that? Like, how do we get over that guilt or do we, is it just something you live with? So the first thing I would say is that it's super
1: important to be really gentle with yourself, right? Because the guilt doesn't necessarily help. Uh, It might always be there, but we don't have to have it be um, keeping you from functioning in your life. So I would say number one, be really kind to yourself, compassionate, and remember that you're not the only person or first person or last person who will feel this way. Like, and this is a great reason why you're starting this podcast and this whole organization is that it will bring that sense of community and normalizing to anyone who is feeling like that, the guilt of wanting to go back or not or both at the same time uh, that is all within the range of normal reactions.
0: This is like that. Um, misery loves company. (laughs) (laughs) I just want everybody to be miserable too. No, but I also want everyone to like, yeah, the part of the podcast was just to show you can do it and the, and the thousands of ways that women do it because everyone does it differently. It's true. Right. Sarah, what's one of your uh, mental blocks? Oh, my gosh. Feeling (laughs) inadequate.
2: (laughs) Like, not working. I didn't even finish college. And being out of the working world for so long and being surrounded by kids every day, like all day. When I'm around adults, I feel so, like, unprepared to, I just, yeah,
1: inadequacy. (laughs)
2: hmm take and that
1: so, one lisa <laughs> do you think that the people in your life also see you that way like your closest people i i don't know
2: i know that no, um, we do not <laughs> thank you shana <laughs> thank you i don't know i think my husband can see that it that i'm unprepared and it is going to be hard for me um i don't know I
0: guess. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. I read an article the other day that I think might have something to do with this. It was on um, imposter syndrome. Have you heard of that? Either one of you? Yes. Oh, yeah. Is that what it is? Is that what we're talking about, Lisa? Yes.
1: Imposter syndrome is like a pattern of thoughts where you doubt your accomplishments or your abilities it's, and it's something that I would call a negative core belief. So a core belief is something that you believe is true or intrinsic about yourself or about the world. And so if you feel as though you are not going to fit into the work world or you don't um, have the skills to make it in the work world, that's kind of like a negative core belief. And that's where you get imposter syndrome.
0: So I think that is like a global issue, like a bigger issue, right? Because mm-hmm. I think society tells us maybe, especially as women to be like sweet and humble and passive and whatever. And so then when you flip it on its head and you're trying to get a job and you're supposed to be, um, smart and, um, and assertive and, and all of that, like, it's so hard to go, wait a minute. I thought I was supposed to be like the i I thought it was supposed to be easy to get along with, not powerful, you know what I mean? not that those two can't coexist, but I think mm-hmm. it's a bigger societal issue, maybe the way we we raise our girls and the messages we give them, and then expect them to act opposite in the work place,
1: yeah, and there's so many of those dynamics that women that women have to face, you know, where we're expected to be total opposites in different situations. And that could be a whole nother episode, but totally. So, you know, being at home with your kids for so long, being the nurturer, being warm, affectionate, um, and then having to go into a workplace where you might believe that or feel pressure to be more assertive, Uh, more cutthroat or whatever that looks like is a, a mental shift that you might feel like you need to make. It does seem as though the work world is changing in some ways though where to where we are embracing people bringing all of themselves to work and not just that like one weird part of what we think corporate culture should look like, you know, kind of very unemotional, um, always professional, always kind of putting a face on. I hope that's changing. Well, you would know better
0: than us. You're the millennial. (laughs) We're we're over middle-aged according to my (laughs) (laughs) calculation. I hope so. I really hope that's the direction that things are going. And I, and I do see that in a lot of, again, articles, cause let's be honest, I'm not in like the corporate world. I, my job is a job. I work from home. I do work with people, but I can be pretty much as emotional as I feel like being cause <laughs> I work from home. But, mm-hmm. um, I hope that that is a shift. So what do you tell people who are feeling like that imposter syndrome? First of all,
1: a lot of people feel that way, and I would also say that you are not necessarily any more or less qualified than people who don't feel imposter syndrome, and that's a good thing because somehow those people who don't have those blocks have been able to figure out, you know, how to deal and and think in a healthy way or you know, maybe at times it goes into more arrogance. We don't have to go there. We're just, you know, more in the middle, assertive ground. But it's super important to start with becoming aware of the imposter syndrome. And so I, in my practice, I really work from kind of like Buddhist psychology and mindfulness, which I love. And it's all about building an awareness of your thought patterns, uh, your emotions, and always remembering that thoughts and feelings aren't permanent so if you're starting this journey of going back into work and feeling that imposter syndrome, just check in how do you how does your body feel when you think about the idea of going to work for the first day or going to that interview you know really notice oh, I'm feeling kind of sweaty uh my stomach is turning over my heart's beating really fast notice any kind of reaction that you're having the reason that building an awareness is so important is because this gives us something to some data to build off of when we're really ready to change our thoughts. So I almost think about it sometimes with clients like, think about being a biologist, you know, really analyzing and describing every little detail in an objective way. And almost like you're you're almost observing yourself. Um, What do you guys think about that, that first
0: step? Well, I have a couple thoughts. The mm-hmm. first one is, have you ever um, listened to the podcast, The Secular Buddhism? What is it? Sarah, do you know that podcast? No. Secular, Buddhist, Secular Buddhism? I'm Seriously, not. guys. <laughs> but I need to. I it's think. such a good podcast. It's Noah Rashed or Rashid. And I do this every time. I, I listen to this podcast enough, I should freaking know this guy's last name. But... Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of that same. It's, they're like quick little, like 15 minute podcast episodes on real life Buddhism. So like more than just like the, uh, theorized, like, it's like, okay, your kid is screaming at you. Now is the time to do X, Y, Z or whatever kind of thing. It's, it's a really cool podcast, but so that was my initial thought is yeah, that I, I love the mindfulness side of things. And I actually love, so I have like super high anxiety Like through my whole life, wrote a book about it, everything. It's just like, it's like my best friend. (laughs) But that was a big part of like living with my anxiety was learning to observe it like from an outside point of view, Mm -hmm. like that same thing, which sounds kind of crazy. It kind of sounds crazy to be like, I am observing myself in this body, but it does help you like calm down and actually recognize what's going on. So I think that's great advice. I, Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. And the reason
1: that this step is super important is because I think that oftentimes our reaction to negative thoughts is to try to beat them down or to replace it automatically with a thought that maybe we don't even know if it's realistic for us, like, um, but... We have that desire, I think, sometimes to really fight against those feelings. And that just isn't effective. Uh, I, in my own personal experience, but also, you know, in all the literature about negative thought patterns, it only makes them stronger. (laughs) So when we can step back and just be aware of them, it's almost like they become less powerful.
0: Right. So, and maybe I'm playing devil's advocate here. But I mm-hmm. think, too, I mean, I wonder if I should even say this or if every woman who hears this is going to be like, you're a jerk. <laughs> just say it. But, well, I do think some of our brain cells, like, died in the process of becoming stay-at-home moms. <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> like, when I started – <laughs> Maybe I'm just talking for myself, okay? All of you really intelligent stay-at-home moms out there, don't send me hate them. <laughs> But I do think, like – not using that part of my brain definitely became rusty. Right. So I think part of it Mm -hmm. might be um, negative, you know, thoughts and stuff. Part of it might just be um, truth. as far as I need to hone up my skill. Like when I went back to school um, and Sarah and I talked about this in our first podcast episode to try to become a pharmacist, it was fascinating, (laughs) but it like hurt my brain, like literally hurt my brain to jump back, like after 10 years of not going to school, to jump back into school work was such a weird like use of my brain that had not been being used for a long time that, that I think that that might play into some of the imposter syndrome too is not, I don't even know how to word this. Am I, do you guys, do you, are you catching what I'm dropping down? Is that what the phrase? What do you millennials <laughs> say these days? Are you picking up what I'm I don't dropping even know. down?
1: <laughs> I don't even know.
0: <laughs> okay, so what I hear
1: you saying is...
0: You're such a good uh, therapist, Lisa. That's exactly what a therapist would say. You're so cute. I
1: know. I am married
0: to one of you. I know how this works.
1: <laughs> You're like, I've heard that phrase a thousand times before. <laughs> but what I hear you saying, Shana, is yeah. that maybe some of those negative thoughts... kind of true is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah. Okay. So why did you say it in one sentence and I (laughs) said it in (laughs) 15 sentences. (laughs) And I hear
1: that and I think that there's you know something to that and you can listen to that for yourself. But maybe it's about just tweaking the phrasing slightly. So instead of (laughs) to I believe I'm using your words correctly Half of my brain is dead? No, some of my (laughs) brain cells died. Oh, okay. Instead of... (laughs) (laughs) Not a whole half.
0: I don't think a whole half is dead.
1: (laughs) Okay, so instead of some of my brain cells died, maybe saying I have some... There's some vocabulary in this field that I need to brush up on right? One of them's like tragic, really down on yourself. And the other one is I can do hard things. I can
0: do something to take care of this, right? Yeah. All right, fine. (laughs) We'll go with your way. (laughs) I think that that is something that maybe I personally need to learn is to be comfortable with the putting things positive versus what maybe I've always categorized as, as real. Like I want it, to, I want it to be truthful. I want, I want to, you know, I want to say how it really is versus like flowery. And maybe that's a mind shift I need to make. Of maybe the real thing is the positive thing, and the negative thing was the imposter this whole time. Kind of
2: thing. I was uh, reading something the other day about changing your mindset from negative um, to get you on the path of, I guess, changing your mindset. But instead of like jumping to, from, I can't do this to, I absolutely can do this. There's no problem. Nothing will stand in my way. You're not going to believe that if you say that to yourself. But if you say, I can't do this right now, but I'm learning how, and eventually I'll learn to do it. And then it's easier for you to get used to, you know, thinking like that. And then eventually you'll be like, there's nothing that can stop me. I can do this. Right. Right.
1: Right. That's that's almost what I was just going to say is maybe replace it with a neutral thought or yes. or something that has maybe a growth mindset to it instead of, oh, I can do anything and everything. And if I just think harder or better, I'll be the CEO. I mean, that
0: might not be helpful either. <laughs> I want to break out into songs so bad, you guys. So badly. Awesome. I want to sing that. You will if you believe. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know. I know what that is. I don't even remember what it's from. What's it from? It's the Prince of Egypt. Is that what it is? Oh, my God. Yeah. How do you remember that, Sarah? Because I love that movie. (laughs) I know. I think I've seen that. Man, my brain holds a lot more than I thought it did because I have not seen that movie in a really long time. It is old like I don't even think my kids have seen it. that's funny anyway, sorry had to break <laughs> I okay when we edit this, I'm going to very much regret singing that by the way.
2: <laughs> I think another thing that we face going back into the workplace is we've been doing the same thing for so long that we really have to get used to coming out of our comfort zone. like what suggestions do you have? to do that, to come out of our comfort zone.
1: The first thing I think of is just exposure therapy. Um, the more you do it, the easier it gets. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's going to be hard, especially, I mean, if, if you think about staying at home with your kids, it's the space that's the same all the time. It's the people around you that are the same all the time. And going back into the workforce, it's like the space might be different every day and the people might be different every day. And that's going to be a shock. I think something that's so important in this process is to find super supportive people who are kind of a constant so that when you, when you dip your toe into the water of trying something new, you've got that safety net that makes you feel loved and supported to go back to, you know, afterwards and process it.
0: That's so good. And Sarah, I don't know if you feel this way, but like I'm the boss at my house. Like the kids do what I say and Drew pretty much does what I say. And so (laughs) going from like being the boss for 10 years to now that I've had to work with other people and like maybe even take a position as the, what do you mean, the employee, the, the one who's being bossed. That was a really hard shift too, to take on that, like, why are you telling me what to, I tell people what to do. You don't tell me what to do kind of thing, but that's another like, <laughs> mind shift or whatever that you have to do when you're going back to work. Sure. That would,
1: that would be tough.
0: Um, I think another thing I want to talk about is how about like the people around you, Right. Either that be your children or your spouse or even your extended family or some of your friends. They're going to have to get used to your new life as well. How do you suggest people go about, like, starting that conversation? And what ways do you suggest people start that conversation, especially if those people in your life are not very keen on the idea of you going back to work? You mean partner, Like if if there was a woman, yeah. Like if the kids were like, why are you doing this? Like, we don't want you to be gone. Or if a spouse was like hesitant as far as like, things are good, why are you rocking the boat? You know what I mean? Like those kind of things.
1: Communication is key there. Um, I think there's lots of reasons to go back to work. Even if someone were to say, your partner were to say, maybe you don't really need to, we're fine. There's lots of reasons to go back to work. Just you know, beyond financial, it could be that you have you really want to be in the workforce, and that's where you feel healthiest and your best. It could be that you have a, an aspiration or dream that you're striving for. Always be honest, clear, and communicating with those people because if they are feeling as though this is some sort of slight against them or, you know, with kids, it's hard to kind of express and explain why mom wants to do this, why mom wants to make this shift because you're kind of their security blanket oftentimes. Just be really real. Like if it's that you have had this dream of some sort of goal, then just let them know like, Hey, you know, this is the time that I felt it was right for me to really work toward my dreams. Uh, I think as whenever we can be clear and honest with the people that we love it's it's going to go better whereas if we try to kind of hide certain aspects of of our desires or needs it's not really fair to the people around us because we're not giving them a chance to respond in their best way if that makes sense
0: oh for sure but, and I have a pet peeve around this so Um, Drew and I are in the position where I don't have to work quote, right. Have to, as far as like financially providing for the family. Like, that's not why I'm going, it's not why I work. And so when I was announcing to people that, yeah, I'm going to, um, get into copywriting and I'm, you know, learning all about, and I'm getting certified and all these things. So many people were like, Oh, as a backup plan in case something happens to Drew, and I don't know why, but that was so offensive to me. <laughs> it just was like, I'm the backup plan. Like, what do you mean the backup plan? I'm not the backup plan. Like, this is not That's a backup weird. plan. This is just but it is hard, especially if people have seen you in a certain role for so long. It is hard to um help them see maybe why you want a a a different aspect to your role. That, yeah. I just want to make right. it clear. I'm not the backup plan. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> not. This is not a backup plan, but it, I mean, I get that. And and it's probably insensitive because there's a lot of women out there who would love to be in a position that they quote, don't have to work and that, you know, cause that's just what they want to do, but that's not what I want to do. And so it was, yeah, that was definitely part of the communicating luckily not within my family. Like my kids have been like, woohoo, go, go do it. Mom. Just what's for dinner. Like as long as they have dinner, they're, they're pretty cool. with stuff. And <laughs> Drew's great. been, Drew's been totally supportive, but there's been some maybe outside sources that have been really boggled why I would put this extra stress quote stress on our family and on our, you know, relationship and stuff like that. And so it's, it's interesting to see that the changes aren't just affecting you. They're affecting the people around you.
1: Totally. Yeah. And just like there's lots of ways to do life, there's lots of ways to be a mom and to have a family, right? Staying at home for until your kids are out of high school is right for some women and going back to work after, five weeks is what's right for some women and so more in the middle is what's right for others there's truly no right answer and that added pressure that society often puts on us uh, doesn't help and you know i would say most women probably grapple with feelings of guilt or frustration on any end of that spectrum anyways and it's, it's, yeah, just don't let the haters get to you.
0: <laughs> haters gonna hate, hate. This is gonna be a thing and all sorts of themes. <laughs> Do you see um, men with the same issues or not really? Hmm. Not with
1: going back to work. I just haven't worked with... Any men who have been like stay at home dads, you know,
2: but they deal with the imposter syndrome.
1: Yes, I know someone
2: close to me (laughs) feels the imposter syndrome a lot, and that inhibits like him pursuing more higher positions, and
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sarah, you've already got the vocabulary because I listened to that sentence and I'm thinking I would have said that stops him from getting <laughs> like, inhibits him from pursuing. You're so cute. You've already got that vernacular, that business vernacular. Ooh, that was a big yeah. word that I used. That was a big word. I'm faking it till I make it. <laughs> Is there truth in that, Lisa? The fake it till you make it?
1: Mm, a little bit. I think there's also something to be said about it, that it's okay to be in a learning mindset and to be open to learning. Uh, Sometimes we might work in office cultures where that's less accepted, you know, to say, I don't know how to do that, but I will learn. But I think for the most part, again, that's something that's been changing too is that office, you know, managers or supervisors kind of want to see that in in their employees, that they're willing to learn. Uh, and that's a huge asset in any interview that you go into. You may feel as though you don't have the same work experience as someone else, but you're a dynamic person who has been improvising for the last however many years. You can learn on your feet and you can you know, figure out the skills that you need as long as you have the right support at work.
2: I think people can often see when someone's faking it till they mm-hmm. make it. I think you'd have to have like a really narcissistic mind <laughs> to actually convince people when you don't know what you're talking about or, you know, that that you do. But right. that's why I love what you said about
0: learning and, you know, that mindset. That's perfect. Lisa, this has been very informative. We try to keep our podcast to around 30 minutes so that people don't fall asleep (laughs) or get bored, you know? Um, so we're going to close this up, but I want you to give us your like number one piece of advice that you just came just knowing that our women need to hear. Okay. So something that I was thinking about that
1: I wanted to express and this might be a little more than like one minute. But good. uh so like I said, I work a lot with like Buddhist psychology in my practice. And there's something called the second arrow in Buddhist psychology. And the whole idea around that is um the first arrow is that initial uh situation where you feel, oh I didn't get the job. I um, I didn't get that connection on LinkedIn or, you know, whatever it is uh, that is painful. The second arrow is your reaction to that pain. And that is where you have lots of options. So in the second arrow, you can decide and be patient with yourself, you know, compassionate, gentle and patient. But you can decide whether that means you are a failure and you'll never get the job and you'll never get back into the workforce, or if it means that you're going to have that learning mindset of, I'll keep trying. I'll, I'll figure out a different method for next time. It's our reaction to the hard stuff that's where you'll succeed.
0: Well said. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. This was really fun.